Well, as you know, we're in a series, a sermon series on the book of Jude called Contending for the Faith. And one of the best descriptions that I, I read in many commentaries was that Jude is like a hammer blow to false teachers. And I'm thankful for that. Um, it warns, this book warns against nominal Christianity and hypocrisy, which is claiming to be one thing, but not living what you say you believe. And Jude was written to warn the readers about false teachers who said that the grace of God allowed them a license for sin, which we know that is not true. Let's deal a hammer blow to that right now. Jude urges them to contend for the faith, which all of us must do as well. Contend for the faith that, faith that was entrusted to them. Listen to Jude 3 through 4. I felt I had to write. I love that. He just had to do this. I know that feeling. I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Can you say amen? amen. All believers, that includes you and I, must speak the truth of God's word. We must speak it to our children, our families, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, our communities, and those that are lost and living in sin. It's a dark world out there. And we are the light. And we can't hide our light under a bushel. But we also need to live what we say we believe. We can't say one thing and then be out there doing another. You know, people are looking for living proof of Christianity. Don't let them say, I can't hear what you say for what you do. We want to be the living proof. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, we are living epistles. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles? of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. People are looking at you and how you live your life. It is known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is in or of the heart. You are a living epistle. People are watching you and how you live your life. And you know what? That is how you contend for the faith. We say it and we live it. We don't just say it. We live it. Jude wasn't asking believers just to say the right thing, but to live a righteous life. It's so easy to say it, but it's a whole other thing to do it, right? The passages I'm preaching on today are Jude 11 through 16. Listen to Jude 11. Woe to them. We'll cover that a little more in a minute. Woe to them. Jude is talking about these false teachers. And then he goes on to say this. They have taken the way of Cain. 
They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir, and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. So the first thing that Jude uh, is saying here is he is contending for the faith, and he's telling them, be aware of these false teachers. You see, they followed the way of Cain, which was jealousy toward his brother Abel, and it ended in murder. They follow Balaam's heir, which was greed. They follow Korah's sin, which was rebellion against God's authority. And all of these ways end with the judgment of God. And all of this is going on today. So the first step in contending for our faith, hear this, is to be aware of false teachers. So today, my sermon today is called, Woe to False Teachers. Woe to False Shepherds, excuse me. Jude 12 says this. I love how descriptive that this book gets. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. That's the NIV translation, but the better translation is the ASV, and it says this. These are they who are hidden rocks in your love feasts when they feast with you. Now listen, the word here that I read earlier, the NIV blemishes, it means hidden rocks, referring to these rocks that were under the water and they were barely submerged, but they were submerged. They were very dangerous because you could not easily see them because they were submerged and they could easily sink even the most seaworthy vessel. And that's what false teachers want to do. They want to sink us in our faith. So they were hidden rocks. So they were not really easy to identify like sheep in wolves' clothing. Clothing is what the Bible warns. False teachers, they hide beneath convincing words and pretense. Jude's point was that these false teachers, they're dangerous to believers and could potentially shipwreck their faith. We've seen this over and over. People get off, a tr off track believing something that is not true and they stray and become shipwrecked in their faith. So Jude is warning them, steer clear and avoid any close association with them. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20 shows the serious consequences of false teachers. It says this, fight the good fight, fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Now, I know y'all all are really quiet today, and that's okay. Because this is heavy, and this is serious. So remember in verse 11, we opened with these three words, woe to them. You know what woe means? Grievous, distress, affliction, trouble, and adversity. So being handed over to Satan, which is something none of us want, 
certainly would cause these things, wouldn't it? So they chose the love feasts to spread their lies. The love feast was a, a meal of fellowship, and I, I know most of you know that. It was held on the Lord's Day. It was of great significance in the early church, as it is to today. It was a time of connecting with one another, which was so important, and celebrating our common bond in Jesus Christ. What better place to come in and try to cause division and, and speak lies right there in the midst of the fellowship of the believers they wanted to just destroy that common bond so these teachers were slipping in unnoticed hidden rocks so they could destroy the relationships that were so essential to the church i mean it just shows you how important our relationships are doesn't it that's right where false teachers want to go they want to tear us apart and jube also described them as this shepherds who only feed themselves. You see, the love feast was supposed to be a time of sharing, having all things in common. But these false teachers who were shepherds, guess who they cared about? Themselves. And that was their motive behind everything, a hidden motive. Listen to Ezekiel 34, 2 through 6. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? That's heartbreaking to me because I'm a shepherd and my heart is for my flock. You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter of the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Very sad commendation. Ezekiel 34.10 says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. You don't want God against you. These false teachers only took care of themselves. That's all they cared about, themselves and their little cliques. But here's what the Greek says. They were shepherding themselves. They excluded everyone else. And as a result, God turned against them. Listen, we don't want to do anything in our lives for that to happen, for God to turn against us. Then I, I love this. Jude uses six metaphors to continue to describe these false teachers. First of all, they're found in verses 12 and 13, all six of them. So let's look at these. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. In Deuteronomy 32, 2, we see that the teachings of God are compared to rain. So a cloud without rain would be a cloud that brought no teaching of God. Listen to Deuteronomy 32, 2. Let my teachings fall like the rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on the new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. You see, this passage indicates that a lack of rain is a lack of teaching of God's word. False teachers 
only have the outward appearance of a teacher. They look like a cloud, but they are empty clouds. They never produce the true word of God. When you are listening to something on TV or you're reading something or you're hearing something from someone else, you need to examine, is this a cloud without rain? Don't believe everything that everyone says. Test the word of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. But they were clouds without rain. In other words, they were useless. It's a lack of rain. False teachers have this outward appearance. They look like a cloud, but they're empty clouds. And they never produce the true word of God. There's no rain because they're quickly blown away. So they're useless and disappointing because they have nothing to give. Proverbs 25, 14 says, Like clouds and wind without rain is one who boasts of gifts never given. You see, Deuteronomy 32.2 says this. Let my teachings fall like rain. I read it, but I want to read it again. My words descend like dew, like showers on the new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. This is the heart of God. This is what God desires. But here's the thing about all this. It's usually not glaringly obvious when you're dealing with a cloud without rain. And I'll tell you why. Someone could have 99% truth and 1% lies, and be a rainless cloud. You know, nobody's going to come in and announce, hey, hi there, I'm a rainless cloud or a fruitless tree. When's the last time somebody said that to you? Of course not. Some of them are self-deceived. They don't even realize that's what they are. This is why Pastor Joe and I, I want you to know this, And the elders, we guard this pulpit. And we guard what is taught in this church. With our lives, we guard it. And we will only allow the pure, unadulterated word of God to be taught in this pulpit. But then Jude goes on to say this. They're autumn trees without fruit and uprooted. Both these verses describe people who... They make these big claims, but you know what? They never follow through. They overpromise and they underdeliver. You know, in Palestine, people would pray for rain, and a promising cloud might appear up in the sky, and sometimes no rain came. And they would be believing and praying, and in harvest time, there were trees that seemed full of fruit. They thought they were, but they produced little or no fruit. Promises without performance are useless. It has no effect. No amount of outward show or empty words will prove useful. Use the gift of discernment that God has given you. Jude goes on to say this. They are twice dead. Twice dead. That's pretty dead. So listen, that could mean two things. This means that they could have been dead in two successive seasons. That's pretty dead. Or it also means that it's emphasizing that they are absolutely altogether dead. But guess what? Either way, they are dead. (laughs) Stick a fork in it. 
Then it goes on to say they're wild waves of the sea. Clouds without water, trees without fruit, wild waves of the sea. The idea is here is that they were noisy. Oh, they had a lot to say. They made a lot of noise, bold, and as uncontrollable as the waves of the sea. I remember when we went to the Red Sea and Pastor Joe got in it and the waves started hitting. And man, they were throwing him everywhere. And he, he skinned his knee. I mean, he cut his knee pretty good on those hidden reefs and rocks. So they're all together absolutely dead. They're wild waves of the sea. I immediately, when I read this, I thought about Hurricane Ian. It came to my mind. When those 12 feet waves hit Sanibel and Fort Myers, it brought with it total devastation. If you've read about this in the news, you know what I'm saying is true. Guess what? Pastor Joe and I were on vacation in both of those places, Sanibel and Fort Myers, right before Ian hit. And here's a picture of me at a restaurant. I look terrible there, but oh well. Oh, get it off of there. <laughs> it's the only picture we had. What can I say? <laughs> so there I am. I'm sitting on the beach at, at, in Fort Myers before Ian hit. Here is a picture, I'm telling you, of the exact spot after those wild waves of Ian hit. Look at this. Get me off of there. <laughs> Where is my other picture? Oh, there it is. Is that, oh, you're showing, baby, is that it? Oh, I see. Okay, okay. I thought, you, I thought I was going to be off of that one, but that's okay. Look at the difference. Look at the difference. That's what false teachers do. Total devastation. They destroy everything with their lies and their half-truths. I say no, no in Jesus' name. That's why I love, well, first of all, I love my husband because he knows the truth of God's word. He knows it. And I rely on him and I count on him and we make sure what we preach up here is true because it needs to be true. But they destroy everything with their half-truths. Jude continues on and he says, foaming up their shame. Listen, it doesn't always require a hurricane to cause damage. Have you ever gone on a shoreline? Have you ever walked on a beach after crashing waves have come up and they leave this dirty foam, uh, seaweed and driftwood and litter and sometimes dead fish, right? That's not a very pretty sight. So false teachers are being compared to this. They're like useless, dirty litter washed ashore. I mean, it's a hammer blow, isn't it? Very true description. Then it goes on, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Man, heavy stuff. So instead, what they're saying here is instead of moving in the regular orbit that, uh, that stars will move in to bring light to the world, they wander off orbit. Isn't that good? And they only give this little flickering dim light. And the deepest darkness, everlasting punishment is reserved for them. I love this statement. To me, these metaphors that Jude used ransacked sky, land, and sea to describe the character of these false teachers. It's just pretty descriptive, wouldn't you say? So having said that, I want you to keep in mind that, that false teachers can be very subtle. 
It could be like just twisting the truth just a little bit or adding their own interpretation of the word of God or taking the word of God out of context. And these misrepresentations are like hidden rocks. They're hard to recognize. And maybe, maybe that's why they are hidden rocks. So you can't see them, but I'll tell you what, you'll know when you hit them. You see, here's the thing. False teachers are rampant in the world. They slip into our lives. Hear me now. Don't let me lose you here. Through TV shows, media, radio talk shows, contemporary music, uh, famous personalities, Facebook, schools. And then we hop, uh, perhaps unknowingly do what? We bring them into the church. Because we're believing the lies. And don't you think that these erroneous philosophies don't creep into the church? Not just Grace Fellowship Church, but the church at large. Because they do. The world is trying to change our culture, church. They are. Oh, they want to indoctrinate, indoctrinate us. They're false teachers. And they're trying to normalize sin. And I'm angry about that. So I'm getting on my soapbox, but I'm telling for a minute here to address some of this. But I want you to know it troubles me, but I have nothing, nothing in my heart but love. I love God's people. I love people. They're God's creation. And it's sad to me, as troubled and angry as I am, it is sad to me that these people have been led so astray and they're leading others astray. But in verse 7... Jude mentioned sexual perversion and how it results in the punishment of eternal fire. Perversion means to turn to an improper use. It means what is unnatural. And one of the most prevalent false teachings right now in our culture is this. That being gay is normal and that the Bible says... But the Bible says in Romans 1, it is not normal. It is unnatural. Listen, I love people who struggle with this. Jessica Grunewald, she's sitting back there on the back row. Stand up, Jessica. She came out of homosexuality about 12 years ago. God called me to walk with her and mentor her in her life. She has stayed pure. You can sit back down. <laughs> yeah, that deserves a, a recognition there. She has kept herself pure and has determined that she will never go back. And I have the privilege of walking with her in that. So I, I'm not against gay people, okay? I'm against sin. Amen? Amen. That deserved an applause. <laughs> so one of the most prevalent teachings right now in our culture is that it's okay to be gay. Uh, then... There's this, gender identity. It's rampant. You know what? Being born a girl, uh, come on, that doesn't mean you're a girl. Being born a boy, it doesn't mean you're a boy. You get to decide your identity. You get to choose. If you're a boy who identifies as a, boy, a girl, then you're a girl. Now, that means you can compete in girls' sports, and you can use the girls' restroom. Seriously? Really? Excuse me? Can you say false teachers? Yeah. False teachers. As a matter of fact, get this. Did you know that Boston's Children's Hospital says kids know that they're transgender in the womb? 
from the womb. Biology doesn't matter. That little fetus knows. It might have boy parts, but it knows if it's a girl in the womb. Can you say false teachers? Then you have a right for others to recognize and address you based on your gender preference. It's called pronouns. If you want to be called they, I'll never forget the first time I heard that on a TV show. Someone got up and walked out of the room and she said, they are, well, how did it go? It was like, they just left. I don't remember. But anyways, they were referring to an individual as a they. And I'm like, what? You know, it's just so confusing. But if you want to be called a they or a them, then others must, be, must comply with this. I mean, look at this headline. Middle schoolers accused of sexual harassment for not using preferred pronouns, parents say. Students were under investigation because they did not refer to a classmate's requested pronouns of they or them. Let me like saying to Joe, them, them he is. What? I can't even figure it out, to be honest. I'm really trying up here, but I don't even get it. It's just so bizarre. Can you say false teachers? Do you know what this is on this slide? This is, if they bring up the next slide, this is drag queen story time. It's taking place right now in schools and in libraries across America. It was started in 2015 in San Francisco with these goals. Check this out. Inspire a love of reading while teaching deeper lessons on diversity, self-love, and an appreciation of others. Wow. Seriously? Has it come to this? Listen, I'm not against those goals. I, don't, I think diversity, self-love, and appreciation of others is great. But trying to promote a gay agenda in the name of diversity, love, and appreciation of others, I say no. False teachers. Listen, these drag queens aren't just having story time. I mean, look at them. They're trying to indoctrinate our children. They're polluting the minds of children who are vulnerable and who are uh, easily misled. And they're trying to implant these lies in their minds and cause them to sin. They want to indoctrinate them, our children and our grandchildren, to accept this sinful lifestyle. Guess what? That I am against. And so is God. Jude 14, 15 makes it clear. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Someone once asked a great scholar, Daniel Webster, what is the greatest thought that you have ever had? And he answered this. I have thought about many things, but the most awesome, the most terrifying, the most shattering thought I've ever had in my personal is my personal accountability to God one day. I must agree. We will all stand before a holy God. We stand before him right now, and he will be our judge. 
Have you ever thought what that day will be like? Hebrews 9.27 says this. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. God gives us many chances to get right in life. But after we die, there are no more chances. That fact should impact the way we live today. Amen. Thank you. Way too many Christians have a nonchalant view of this. Or they don't think about it at all. But the Apostle Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Oh, let me persuade you today. Be right with God. Do your part to come against these false teachings. Jude, excuse me, way too many Christians know nothing about the fear of the Lord. Way too many Christians think that because they're saved and they're going to heaven, it doesn't matter how they live. Way too many Christians fail to realize they will give an account someday for the way they lived their lives. The Bible clearly teaches that we will all stand before God in judgment. And Jude 16, he says this about false teachers. These men are grumblers and fault finders. It stands to reason to me that a false teacher would also be a grumbler and a fault finder. But you don't have to be a false teacher to be a grumbler or a fault finder or a complainer now, do you? But you do have to be a false teacher You don't have to be a false teacher to be either of those. Complaining occurs when we express dissatisfaction or contentment over our circumstances. You see, nothing is more common than complaining or comparing our situation with that of other people. Why do they have that God? Why do they get to do that God? Why can't I? And then you know what we do? We blame God for not having made our circumstances different. That's grumbling and complaining. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining. So next time you're tempted to complain, let me give you a real key. Don't. (laughs) How about this? How about just thank God for his blessings? You're going to hold me accountable. Uh, I knew that. Uh, I saw that one coming. (laughs) thank God for how he's blessed you. And then Jude says this, they follow their own evil desires. Oh, man. They follow the idea of doing what feels good to them. It's a popular idea in today's culture. I do what makes me happy. Happy me is the, is the key. Happy me is the key. No, it isn't. The Bible says die to yourself. Carry your cross. It's totally different. So they follow their own evil ideas and and then they boast about themselves. The Greek word boast refers to using big words, an arrogant speech. Oh, they sound so intelligent and persuasive. They were arrogant towards God, rejecting his moral authority and boastfully claiming their own authority, how they choose to live. False teachers. They flatter others for their own advantage. 
The Greek word for flatter refers to showing favoritism. And what they would do is these false teachers would show favoritism to those who were their listeners and tell them what they wanted to hear, especially those who financially supported them. We must be aware of false teachers because we don't want to be like them. And we don't want to receive the woes God pronounced on them. But thank God we don't have to fear God's judgment. You were really waiting to hear that, weren't you? 1 John 4, 17 says this. As, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence. Because we live like Jesus in the world we can face judgment in confidence when our faith is not in ourselves and not in our works but in jesus christ and his finished work that is the key church that is the answer we do not fear judgment because our names are written in the lamb's book of life because of our faith in jesus christ hallelujah we do not fear judgment because we know that when we get there we're going to hear the lord say well done good and faithful servant we don't fear judgment because of the cross because of the blood of jesus because he has already paid and bore the penalty and judgment for our sins on the cross can you thank him today <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah thank you so much church you were quiet at first but you got better I have definitely like released the burden that was on my heart. Uh, it's good to speak truth. It's a fearful thing to stand before God and to speak the word of truth. So I want to see what time we got. Okay, it's 1030. Let me pray. God, I pray your word will go forth. I pray your word will go forth and not return void. Father, we live in perilous times that sin is growing greater and greater. People are being deceived and misled. And we, the church, we stand up. We stand up. Church, just stand up. We stand up, God. And we say, oh, God, we want to be able to speak truth and to shine our light in the darkness. So, God, show us our part. Give us the ability, God, to speak your truth. Bring the right people to us that we can speak the word of God over them, God. And help us, oh, Father, to pray for our children. Read your word to our children and to our grandchildren and to our loved ones, oh, God. Let us be a light in the darkness, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you're a good God. Thank you that you're pure and holy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We just run to you, oh God. Your word is true. We love you. We love your word. Thank you for your word, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your son, whom you sent to die and shed his blood so that we could be righteous in the midst of an unholy world. For that and for everything else, God, we thank you in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Grace. Thank you, church. Appreciate your attentiveness. Prayer team, come down. Please come down. Love you.